Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Basketful of Bread. My name is Bethany, and I'm so thankful that you're here today. We have just kind of paused in the Teruah parts one, two, three, four, and five, I think. I'm still editing, so I think it's going to be five parts so far. We're pausing to take a tiny little detour, and I'm going to title this series Face to Face because it ties in with the Teruah series. It's really, it'd be really powerful if you go back and just listen to those first few episodes and then jump in here. But you don't have to do that. You know, like God's word is being read in these episodes and there's just power. It just doesn't return void. So don't feel like, oh man, I got to go back, blah, blah. Like his word does not return void. And so if you just want to jump in in this today, go for it. You know, obviously you don't need my permission, but I just want to welcome you to do that. Um, sometimes I know that when I want to start a podcast or I want to listen to a book or something, I'm like, oh, I got to go back to the very beginning. And that's just not really how this podcast works. There's a lot of power when you listen through that way, but because we read God's word in almost every single episode, you're going to be ministered to, your inner man will be ministered to with every episode, no matter where you're listening, okay? So I'm so grateful that you're here. We are going to be picking up in First Kings six or 17, 16, end of 16, and then into 17 today. So I'm so grateful that you're here, and I pray that you're blessed by this word. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so I stood up and I was just like, do not grow weary in doing good season. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Welcome to season four of Basketful of Bread. It is my joy and purpose to hold your weary arms up by the power of the Holy Spirit as we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in the high places. Together, we are going to stand firm in the secret place where our King Creator will encourage and spur us on with His resurrecting power and mighty word. This season on Basketful of Bread, it is my battle cry to intercede on behalf of the local gospel workers, the overcomers, the remnant, the bride of Christ. The harvest is plentiful. Let's work. My name is Bethany. And I'm grateful you're here. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to Basketful of Bread. Thank you so much for tuning in to this series. Honestly, I am I am finding it hard to articulate. So I'm like, Lord, just give me the words. what God is doing here. I'm going to try y'all. I'm going to try. This is kind of like a, whoa, we need to take it back for one second. Okay. Um, so let me just pray. Lord, please just be on my, my lips, on my mouth. Let your Holy Spirit, you know, your word tells me that I don't have to plan out word for word exactly what I need to say. 
when I'm up here trying to testify, I know, God, that you're going to do that through your Holy Spirit. So I just give you free reign over my mind and my body and my spirit. And I want you to be glorified. I want this word to go out and to bear much fruit. And so prepare, Father God, the recipient, and help me to connect these dots in a way that brings power and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we need to go back, you guys, here for a second and refresh our brains on what occurred in Joshua 5, okay? So we've kind of done a brief study on this, these first six chapters of Joshua. So go back, you guys, to Ruah 1 through um, 5 it is, I think, that we did. Let's go back, though, here to Joshua 5, and I want to just emphasize this campground at Gilgal, okay? Um, we talked about this. Um, actually, you know, I think it started out in four. Yeah. After the entire nation had finished crossing over to the over the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, choose the 12 men. This is where they take out the stones, right? And they put them as memorial stones. And they ended up naming that place Gilgal, okay? And this is also the same location where they did the circumcision. They reignited Okay, so Gilgal in itself here, um, it says in 5.9, the word play on Gilgal, which means circle as a noun and roll as a verb, refers to rolling away the disgrace of Egypt. This was the rebellion of the previous generation, which we talked about. Okay, we talked about that. So this is kind of a memorial area. There were stones here. I can't help but say rolling away the stones. I can't help but think of Jesus's resurrection. I mean, that's just what it reminds me of, honestly. Um, so that's kind of like the starting point of this place, Gilgal. This was a consecrated area where the Israelites were finally going to be prepared and re-engaged in the covenant so that they could cross over into the promised land, cross over into what God had for them, and then there was this, obviously, what we read about with Jericho and all that, that that had happened. And this curse, if you move on to six, we read about the curse that was put on Jericho. Basically, because Jericho was going to be this symbol of um, a place that was set apart for God's destruction. A symbol of his power, a symbol of... Um, what like what what God could do and what he what he would do at the very end. Um, Six twenty six. My note says the curse imposed by Joshua required that no construction take place on the mound of Jericho. It must remain in ruins as a witness of God's judgment upon the site for its resistance to God. Okay, this was not a place where God was being worshipped or glorified. The reference to foundation and gates, because remember he says um, he will lay its foundations, he will finish its gates. That's what Joshua says. Um, and the warning about the loss of the eldest, the firstborn and the youngest, was fulfilled in 1 Kings 16.34, when Hiel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho in the 9th century BC. This is not a curse against those who would disturb burials, which was common in those days, but a, a consideration of Jericho as a symbolism of God's judgment and 
power. So 1 Kings 16.34 is referenced, and this is where it's going to get really fun, you guys. You're going to just not be able to believe this. You're not. You're not going to believe the full circle that's happening. Honestly, I don't, like, I can't believe this is happening. But let's go there. Let's go there. Um, If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings, let's just meander on over um, to 1 Kings 16.34. Hi, you guys. I'm piecing this kind of together a little bit by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hi, hi, future Bethany. We're going to come back to Gilgal because, whoa, we need to like circle back, circle back, circle back. Um, But we're going to circle forward for just a second and walk out the rest of this first Kings situation. And then we're going to go back and kind of piece it all together. Okay, let's go. I am, I am, I am laughing in the Lord right now. All right. Are you there? First Kings 1634. During his reign, Hiel of Bethelite built Jericho. Okay. So he, here he is. He rebuilt Jericho. And what happened? It was at the cost of Abraham, his firstborn. Oh, daddy just got home. He laid the foundation and at the cost of Segub, his youngest, he finished its gates. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. Okay, so there it is. That curse is being fulfilled where Joshua said, if whoever rebuilds this city is going to lose their, their firstborn and their lastborn, essentially. All right, that's going to be the launch point for where we're headed, which is into First Kings 17. I don't know if you guys can see what's coming. I'm excited. Okay, okay, another day, another day. You've been here the whole time, but I haven't, so (laughs) it's good to be back together. Um, It's another day, and so I want to just piece all this together as we walk out into 1 Kings 17. Lord, thank you, God, for this word. Let your Holy Spirit, the great counselor, the God of wisdom, and understanding and knowledge, Lord, your spirit come upon us right now as we read this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so First Kings 17, you guys. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, now, Elijah. Here we go. Elijah is now entering the scene. This is a man I've talked about on the podcast a few times in relation to Juniper. Okay. So, wow. Here we go. Elijah the Tishabite from Gilead, settlers, okay? So he was a settler in this area, possibly not a Hebrew. Interesting, right? Said to Ahab, okay? So here he is. He's just, he's just stepping in. As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. That's what the Lord is saying through Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to him. It's like every time I go to talk, you guys, I get like a a frog in my throat. Okay. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Leave here and turn eastward and hide at the Wadi Cherith, 
where it enters the Jordan, you are to drink from the Wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the Wadi. After a while, the Wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. A wadi is just like a little valley or like a channel area that fills with water during a rainy season. But then when it's dry, you know, it's kind of like a little creek. There's nothing there. So that's where God told him to go and God provided for him using the birds, using nature. I just love that so much. Um, I've got a few things written down here in 17. So I kind of want to talk through this with us. A little bit um, here. Elijah was possibly not a Hebrew, which we talked about. He was he had a rustic appearance. So when when he was described in God's word, I kind of thought of John the Baptist a little bit. Um, and then my Bible has a note here that there is like this parallel happening right now with um, Exodus eighteen when Jethro comes and he's. Um, let's see, what, what does it say here? Um, a parallel between Jethro. Let me read it to you guys just straight out of the word so it makes sense to you. Okay, this is in 17.1 through 19.21. This section describes the clash between the prophet Elijah and the king Ahab of Israel. One of the greatest missionary themes in the Old Testament was the witness of God's miraculous signs. The best literary pattern exemplifying this theology in Jethro's visit to Moses in the wilderness. Remember when Jethro came and visited Moses? Jethro was his father-in-law, and he like spoke a bunch of truth to him. That's in Exodus 18, if you want to go back and read it. Jethro heard of God's great deeds of deliverance in Exodus 18.1 and visited God's people and learned even more about God's great works. He praised God and then joined in the fellowship meal with God's people. These were the same signs that drew Rahab to the Lord in Joshua 2, 8 through 13, which we had just read a little bit ago, and through the other Canaanites, um, and through other Canaanites into despair. So all this is saying is there is a record of God using signs and wonders to reveal his glory to people and to draw the chosen ones into fellowship with himself or to put fear and despair in the enemies of God. So that's the purpose of these signs and wonders. This is a very interesting note here. In biblical history, there are four extended periods of witness with great signs. I'm sorry if you can hear my kids screaming outside or whistling. Great signs and wonders let the little children come. The Exodus, okay, here they are. Number one, the Exodus and conquest. Number two, the age of Elijah and Elisha. Number three, the first coming of Christ and the growth of the early church. And number four, the end of history with the miraculous wonders of the book of Revelation. In the age of Elijah and Elisha, faith in the Lord clashed with one of the most dangerous false deities. Okay, that was Baal. Okay, still happening today. 
the power <clears throat> encounter between these two rival religions, which we're going to read, was the setting for the miraculous works of these great prophets, okay? You guys have got to feel, I know you do, if you're listening to this podcast, you know the time that we live in and how the setting is very similar to what is being written here today in that there's this huge uh, war raging, except a lot of it is unseen, okay? Unless you have eyes to see it. And so because of that, There's a fresh anointing and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we are seeing signs and wonders across the globe. And we're seeing people being resurrected, spiritual, um, spiritually speaking. And I know that I have friends that are traveling abroad. And in my own daughter, Juniper, I'm seeing God's resurrecting power in her actual physical body. So these are very parallel times and very it's just it's just amazing i'm amazed and i'm grateful that we are here for such a time as this then the word of the lord came to him get up and go to zarephath that belongs to sidon and stay there look i have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there so elijah got up and went to zarephath When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives. Okay, so she knew. I do not have anything baked. Only a handful of flour and a jar and a bit of oil and a jug. Just now I'm gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare for myself and my son so we can eat and die. Because you guys, there's a famine. There's a famine in the land. There hasn't been any water. And um, God is supernaturally taking care of Elijah, his prophet. And here God, oh, thank you, Lord. God sends him to this woman, a widow, you guys. A widow and her son. This is the father's heart. This is right here a picture into who he cares about, you guys. This is a single mother and her child. And out of all the people that God wanted Elijah to go visit, he said, go visit her. She's my beloved. She, not only are you going to minister to her, but she is going to minister to you. Wow. She knew who Elijah served. She said, your God lives. So she knows. But she also recognizes things are kind of dire for her. So then in 13, this is 17, 13. Then Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Look, look at this. Go and do as you have said. Look, he's like, okay, you're going to go prepare a fire and blah, blah. And then you're going to eat it and die. He's like, go ahead. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do as you said. He said, but first... Before, he said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. So she's like, this is all we have. We're going to eat this and die. And he's like, don't be afraid. Go ahead and like do what you're going to say. But before you do that, can you just make me a small little loaf and then bring it to me? (laughs) I love how Elijah wasn't going to try to like reason, you know. Afterward, he said, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Here comes the hope. The flour jar will not become empty. 
and the oil jug will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain to the surface of the land. Wow, I'm just thinking, you guys, this woman has probably been crying out for help. And she's probably been like, well, this is it. Like, we're done. I'm going to make one final meal with what we have, and we're going to die, me and my son. And then here comes Elijah because the Lord told him to get up and go exactly to that location. And and God says, look, I've commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. You guys know in the New Testament how much God talks about and Jesus talks about taking care of orphans and widows. Here we go. This is happening. And so God heard her prayer. He bent down to listen. He knew that she needed to be ministered to. And she knew that he knew that Elijah also needed to have his faith boosted and probably have, you know, when you get to participate in God's signs and wonders as like a, as a front row seat participant, how much does it increase your faith and how much does it spur you on? And Elijah needed that because it's not easy when you're being chased down to be killed because of the message you're bringing. And so God tells her that he's going to feed her until the rain comes again. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug oil jug did not run dry according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. So that was like the first little part, the first little miracle that God did for her. And I believe, wow, wow, wow. I believe that God did that for her because he wanted her to have the faith to believe that God was able to do what he was going to do next for her son. And I, you guys, if you know my story and you've been following along, you know that I had a supernatural birth with Juniper. I had a supernatural pregnancy. I had the the birth of my dreams with her. I didn't even know I was in labor. You guys can go back and listen to that birth story. My faith was so increased. Every single thing I had prayed and asked God for, he did. It was a miracle. My faith and my husband's faith were so increased so that when we walked into the valley of the shadow of the de- of death, literally, and our daughter was so sick, we almost lost her. We had the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit to believe that God was going to protect and resurrect her. I'm finding that God does this. This is a pattern of the Holy Spirit. It's like he just gives us just enough of the daily bread, you know, so that we can be challenged to trust and rely on him and believe he is who he says he is. And then it's more and more and more and more and more until you don't doubt anymore. Like, you know, you know for sure that God is with you. First Kings seventeen seventeen. After this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. He stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, man of God, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? She thinks that the man of God had come and pointed out her sin or shortcomings. And because of that, now her son was sick because of her own sin. But Elijah said to her, give me your son. So he took him from her arms 
and brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying and he laid him on his own bed and then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I am staying with by killing her son? And then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. So the Lord listened to Elijah and the boy's life came into him again and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy and brought him down from the upstairs room into the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, look, your son is alive. And then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Wow. I know my kids just came in when I was reading that, so maybe you missed it. Elijah took this boy to the upper room to be with God and to pray and petition for the life of this little boy three times. And he cried out to the Lord. I mean, I just think that's just so powerful. I think that's so powerful because Elijah is communicating that through the Holy Spirit, through God. One, that not all illness is a result of sin, which was something that kind of was thought during that time. And honestly, today, people still say that today. I've been to churches recently where they're like, yep, God's punishing them. And I'm like, whoa, careful there. That's not true. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. God has power over sickness and death, okay? And the purpose of the signs and wonders is to produce faith in the Lord's word, believing that what he says is true. Because she says at the end that the Lord's word from your mouth is true. That is the journey of this podcast is learning to believe that God is who he says he is and what he says is true. And it is found in the word of God and it is found through the great counselor, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and me and the fellowship of the saints. That's the purpose. That's why he shows up is to say, yep, that's me. In our next episode, you guys, we're going to pick back up in 1 Kings 18. Um, So praise the Lord. God, thank you for this story. Thank you that you care so much about the least of these, the, the ones that feel dire and desperate, the ones that are just ready to die just to roll over and die, Father, you come into those dire situations and you breathe life and you breathe the spirit of abundant life so that there's resurrecting power. And and this is all throughout your word. And I thank you for this specific story of this woman and her son and Elijah and the resurrecting power that we see so that we, we have increased faith 
in your word. We love you, Lord, and we just are loving this little adventure. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Coming up up on Basketball Bread. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Mm, Power. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God.